Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Wednesday. This episode, as all episodes, is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to goodranchers.com slash Allie for a discount. That's goodranchers.com slash Allie. Okay, guys, today, as promised, we are talking to Julie Kelly. She is a reporter at American Greatness. She has been reporting on January 6th, really since January 6th, 2021. And she has been one of the only voices that is trying to uncover what really happened that day and the Justice Department's response that she will demonstrate today, she will argue today, has been anything but just. So I just finished having the conversation, guys, and I am so incensed. I mean, I just have a pit in my stomach about everything that's going on. I've known a little bit from following her, but man, she is going to reveal some information about what happened that day that I did not know. What she suspects really instigated what happened that day, which I I, I just didn't realize some of the things that she put forth. And then also um, what the people who have been involved in January 6th have gone through for the past year and a half. And guys, here's why we have to care about this. And we'll talk about this in our conversation. No matter where you land on the political aisle, no matter what you think happened that day, whether you think it was something that just got out of hand, you know, it started out peacefully and then some people went crazy, some people were peaceful, or whether you believe what the mainstream media says about it being a coup attempt, a violent insurrection that was provoked by Donald Trump. Whatever you think about that, can we just agree that justice should be impartial? That we don't want the Justice Department going after people because of their political affiliation? Can we all agree that we should be a country that upholds someone's due process rights, no matter their ideology, no matter what they think about the integrity or the lack of integrity of an election? Like, should, shouldn't we just agree on that? Shouldn't we agree that justice should be proportionate to the crime that's committed? Shouldn't we agree that maybe some people that didn't even commit any kind of violent crime on January 6th shouldn't serve a longer time in prison than people who say murdered a child? Because that's what's going on. What we are seeing inflicted on the people who are involved in January 6th is disproportionate vengeance against American citizens because of their political affiliation. Look, I'm saying this, you'll hear me say this with Julie, I am saying this as someone who when I saw footage of what was going on on January 6, 2021, I sobbed. And some of you who maybe that wasn't your reaction, maybe you think that that's dramatic. But it was really hard for me to see that. It was really hard for me to see that kind of aggression. I mean, it really just seemed like everything was crumbling in that moment. I was saddened. I was frightened. I was heartbroken by what I saw happening in some cases on January 6th. So you are not hearing this conversation from someone who is trying to minimize what happened that day, or someone who is condoning violence at all, or someone who um, is trying to condone or minimize anyone who was trying to overturn an election. That's not what this is about, okay? You are hearing from, you are hearing this from someone who, who is very clear-eyed and very, I think, 
uh, even-handed about what is going on and recognizes that how the people, especially the nonviolent people who are involved in January 6th, how they're being treated is unjust and says something really, really scary about the state of our country. I think every single person, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, should care about this, that we do not have a just justice system in this country. And Julie Kelly has been one of the only, not the only, but one of the only people who has been sounding the alarm about this, who she, you will not hear her either condone violence or say that no one should have been prosecuted that day. That's not what this is about. This is about believing in justice. This is about believing in someone's due process rights. As Christians, as we've talked about many times, there are four characteristics to biblical justice. It has to be truthful. So it has to be based on facts that happen, not just something that you feel, not someone's uh, political status or socioeconomic status. It actually needs to be truthful. The facts of the case, evidence has to be presented, and there need to be witnesses to be able to substantiate the allegation against someone in a in a court of law. It needs to be, the punishment needs to be proportionate. So it needs to, the punishment needs to fit the crime. It also needs to be direct. So punishing people who are actually involved in committing the crime and not people who were associated with someone who committed the crime, not the parents of someone who committed the crime, not the friend of someone who committed the crime, but someone who actually committed the crime. So it has to be truthful, has to be proportionate, it has to be direct. And then according to scripture and what we see in God's law giving to Israel throughout uh, Leviticus in particular, it also has to be impartial. So that is something that God emphasizes over and over again, that the justice process has to be impartial. So you don't show partiality to the person with a lot of power and a lot of money. You don't show partiality towards the person who you see as marginalized or who you see as poor. You have to speak the truth about your neighbor. And actually, someone who testified, who gave false testimony against a person who was accused, if it is found out that that person gave a, a false account, a false testimony against the accused, that person has to receive the punishment that would have been inflicted on the person who was accused. So a false accuser also was punished in the Old Testament. And that is, whether you're a Christian or not, that is what our justice system is supposed to be founded on. In general, the principles that the Bible lays out for justice, it has created the best system in the world. And yet, because of ideology, because of godlessness, because of injustice and wickednesses we will talk to you, talk about today, that justice system has been perverted in the United States. We will give several examples of that today. This is something you should care about. Something you should care about. I don't care where you are politically. I don't care what you think about Julie Kelly. I don't care what you think about me. I don't care what you think about Donald Trump. I don't care where you land on this. This is something you should care about. And I am offering you a perspective that you're not going to hear in the mainstream media. You're not going to hear from most commentators. So maybe you disagree with some things that are said today, but at least open your mind and realize there is another side about this. There's another side of this that we need to know about and care about. Before we get into that conversation, let me tell you about our first sponsor of the day. That is Cell. All right, guys. So Genucell has this awesome deal going 
on on their most popular package at GenuCell.com. You get two free gifts with your order. It includes GenuCell's dark spot corrector to visibly reduce those pesky dark sunspots free and GenuCell's immediate effects for results in as little as 12 hours. GenuCell's dark spot corrector uses special peptides to visibly reduce the appearance of dark spots, age spots, and yes, even sunspots that summer leaves behind. They're a family-owned company, family-operated. They have been since day one. It's a great company, offers a great product that a lot of people love. So sign up for GenuCell's best-in-class rewards program at checkout for an extra 10% off your order and complimentary gift set. Go to GenuCell, that's G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Allie. Enter my promo code Allie at checkout for an extra discount and free shipping. That's GenuCell.com slash Allie, GenuCell.com slash Allie. Julie, thank you so much for joining us. I know a lot of people who are listening, watching already follow you, but for those who don't, can you tell us who you are and what you do? Sure, Ellie, thanks so much for having me on. So uh, I am a opinion writer, reporter, commentator. All my work can be found at American Greatness, amgreatness.com. I also have a book out about January 6th, how the Democrats have turned the Capitol protest into a war of ter- on terror against the political right, which I know we'll talk a little bit about now. Um, and so I've been covering this issue really since the day after it happened. And Ellie, I can just tell you, I know we'll talk about, I am absolutely shocked um, at how Democrats, the media, never Trumpers, et cetera, are exploiting the events of that day um, to go after the political right from Donald Trump all the way down to American voters who really did nothing wrong that day um, but to silence uh, political dissent, criminalize political dissent, and of course cover up what uh, many people suspect was a rigged 2020 presidential election. Now, your work obviously far predates January 6, 2021, and yet a lot of people know you exclusively for your reporting on January mm-hmm. 6. Tell us why this has kind of become one of your main beats over the past year and a half. So I get this question a lot, and I often think, what did I do to deserve this? Um, but uh, as you know, Ali, and I was working with your colleague Steve for over a year on the lockdown, uh, you know, the the inhumane lockdown policies. We were early opponents of that. And so I really was covering a lot of that, the pandemic and then the lockdown policies. And then sort of started covering election fraud after the uh, 2020 election. So I guess, Ellie, what I saw on January 6th, I did not have the same reaction that almost everyone did. I thought the hype, the descriptions about what happened were so overblown. I was very suspicious about everyone suddenly using this word insurrection starting that day when the American people didn't even really fully understand what was happening. It just seemed like an orchestrated operation to me. Um, And so I started covering it the day after. And Ellie, what really shocked me was seeing the Justice Department seek what is called pretrial detention, meaning denying bail to protesters, including those who never entered the Capitol, never engaged in any violence, but basically accusing them of being insurrectionists and traitors, a danger to their community, and judges actually signing off and keeping nonviolent people behind bars. This, of course, happened on the heels of extremely violent, destructive, deadly riots that lasted for months. The American people were told were peaceful. 
despite what we saw before our very eyes. Um, people like Kamala Harris jumping to their defense to bail them out. Um, and of course, seeing so many perpetrators, rioters, not even facing charges. And so I thought, I just saw this huge disparity uh, in how both events were being handled in our criminal justice system. And still to this day, a huge disparity, double standard. And so I think that that's really my very first article um, about a political prisoner was on February 4th of 2021. And that was the Justice Department seeking to incarcerate Cooey Griffin, uh, a man who didn't even enter the Capitol, was on allegedly restricted grounds. And prosecutors tried to keep him behind bars and a judge actually going along with it for uh, several days before another judge intervened and released him. Wow. So let's go back to January 6th. This isn't something that we have covered super thoroughly. Now, when it Mm -hmm. happened, we had Steve Dace on and he had maybe a similar reaction to you. Um, It wasn't the same reaction that we saw a lot of people have. I'll just be honest. When I first saw the footage of what happened on January 6th, I cried and it it, it was it was almost my reaction almost surprised me. I think because of everything that had been leading up to that point, it did seem like we were kind of in a pressure cooker type situation because of mm-hmm. the lockdowns, because of COVID, because of this contentious election, because of the riots and the violence that we had seen just uh, wreck right. American cities because of BLM. And I mean, it was just a tense moment. And then it just seemed like things just boiled over and I was sad to see what I saw. Of course, I did see the people who were just entering in, walking through. You saw grandmothers with American flags just kind of like moseying through the Capitol. But then you did see violence. You saw people who were really angry, who were really vicious, who were pushing down barricades, who were pushing back against police officers, who were trying to break their way into the Capitol. Is your contention mostly that the people who were violent and the people who were nonviolent are all being treated the same? Or are, are you saying kind of like the violence that we did see is being overblown by the media? Or what's what's really your big beef and how this is being handled? So there certainly were people who acted badly that day and should be prosecuted for what they did. There's no uh, excusing people who overran, especially the first police lines, um, and attempted to get into the building uh, aside from police who were there trying to protect it. However, Allie, what we haven't seen and what this committee and DOJ refuses to allow the American people to see are thousands of hours of surveillance video cap- that captured what happened inside and outside the building that day. And here's why. The confrontations that most Americans saw between police and protesters, what happened was police provoked a lot of the violence that happened that day. This is why, Allie, and this is hard for people to grasp, and I understand that, this is why Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, and Muriel Bowser left the Capitol grounds intentionally unsecure that day. It's mm-hmm. really important to underscore, Donald Trump was not responsible for securing the U.S. Capitol that day. He has no jurisdiction over that. Hmm. That completely rests in the hands of the U.S. Capitol Police, who are under the direction of the Sergeant at Arms for both Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell that day, and also Muriel Bowser. Why did they continue to deny requests from the Capitol Police Chief 
for thousands of guardsmen to be on Capitol grounds that day. Why? Through my book and other reporting, it is because DC Metro and Capitol Police had their marching orders to start attacking the crowd outside, doing nothing wrong. These were people who started coming from Trump's speech, attacking them with uh, non-lethal munitions, stun grenades, uh, flashbangs, uh, sting balls with rubber bullets, pepper balls, and tear gas to provoke a lot of the confrontations. That's why you see Trump supporters screaming at police officers, calling them traitors, because that is what police were doing that day. That's a huge part of the story. Most Americans do not know. This committee has not explored, and we can't even see the video and the records uh, that would support or at least explain why these people, these people in charge, left the Capitol and the grounds so intentionally unsecured on January 6th. So you believe the people that were pushing down the barricades and pushing back against the police officers, that they were provoked by the police officers and that that was an intentional setup by Muriel Bowser, Nancy Pelosi, the Democrats at the Capitol? So you have different things happening at different parts of the Capitol grounds. The first breach, Allie, happened right before the joint session of Congress convened that day, right before one o'clock. And you see people like Ray Epps, who's standing there, still not charged inexplicably why. Um, yeah, Ryan let's Sam- pause right there. That's an interesting part that some people don't know about. Um, and I don't want to get you off because I know you're telling us a timeline, but who is... Ray Epps, and why is this a name that we keep hearing? We still don't know who Ray Epps is, and I'm sure some of your listeners uh, understand that this is the man, tall man in a red MAGA hat, he's seen on January 5th and 6th, directing people to go to the Capitol, telling them to go inside the Capitol building that day. He's on video numerous times doing this. He was right behind the man, Ryan Samsel, who first breached not the Capitol building, but the perimeter of the grounds. You had a few Capitol police there with these metal racks. In no way did it indicate that anything was off limits, or at least it wasn't you know, strongly enforced, uh, this, this perimeter, this barricade. It was a joke. And so you have Ray Epps standing there. He whispers in the ear of Ryan Samsel, who then, with other people, including the Proud Boys, knocked down some of these barriers, these bike racks, basically, um, and run up these <laughs> stairs past police. This is the exterior grounds. This is not the building itself. And they advance towards the building. Now, this happens around 1 o'clock. Donald Trump is still speaking one and a half okay. miles away. He doesn't finish up until 1.10. So we can talk a little bit more about the timeline. Anyway, Ray Epps, still almost 18 months later, has not been charged with a crime. Some people suspect he has been a federal agent. Uh, The committee leapt to his defense, oddly, when senators started asking why he hadn't been charged. His name was removed from the FBI's most wanted list. But here we are, Allie, almost 18 months later. We still don't know why a man who was so intimate, you know, on multiple occasions involved, in what happened that day on restricted grounds uh, at the point of the I- initial perimeter breach, why he has not been charged. And I mean, so this is just one of the many unanswered questions. Definitely an inconsistency. You would think if they are going to charge these people who were nonviolent, who just entered into the Capitol that day or were just in proximity, um, that they would certainly have charged this person who is seen on camera telling people to go to the Capitol and march to the Capitol. So that is troubling. So um, continuing on 
the timeline. So this was happening while President Trump was still speaking. And then how is President Trump involved in this? I know that there's been so much back and forth. Did he incite this? Did he push for this? Did he encourage people to go to the Capitol and be violent? Of course, he is he has heard saying peacefully march or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, But there's been a lot of uh, controversy surrounding President Trump's role in this. Um, so as I said, that first breach happened uh, with the Proud Boys, people like Ray, Ray Epps, Ryan Samsel, who's been incarcerated now for 17 months um, while the DOJ continues to delay his trial. So he, so he was nonviolent. This- I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. I'm just so interested. He, he was nonviolent, but he has been kept in prison. Is he in solitary confinement? Well, I wouldn't call him nonviolent because oh, he okay. did breach the barricades. He knocked over one police officer. Uh, he helped her back up. Um, and so he's charged with assaulting a police officer, damage to property. So I wouldn't say that Ryan would be one of the uh, defendants who is nonviolent. There are at least a dozen plus who face nonviolent offenses, though, who have been incarcerated for over a year. Ryan's not necessarily one of them. Um, but this first group then advances up to the west side of the Capitol. And there were scuffles with police and people were trying to get up these stairs to get closer to the building. And so there were definitely some violent agitators in there, too. There are certainly people who you could see on film who were agitators who still have not been charged. Because, of course, Ali, as we know, um, that first group that I just talked about, there were at least two FBI informants in that group that participated with this Proud Boys group to breach the Capitol. We still don't have the uh, number and amount and exactly what these FBI informants, I suspect hundreds if not thousands of federal agents were involved. Mm. We still can't get answers on that too. Um, But anyway, so then Donald Trump finishes up his speech at the ellipse around 110. This is now after this initial breach. So you have thousands of people who start walking towards Capitol Hill. As you said, Allie, he said, you know, we want our voices heard. We are going to march peacefully. A lot of people who I've interviewed went to the Capitol thinking Donald Trump said he was going to be there. They thought he would go there and give another speech. Mm. Um, As they're walking towards the Capitol, and there's plenty of video evidence of this, you could see people being attacked outside, not just these agitators, but people who had assembled on Capitol grounds. They're waving flags, they're singing, they're sort of waiting. People didn't have cell service. They were sort of waiting to see what Mike Pence was going to do. They were sort of waiting to see what was going to happen with this audit that the Republican senators and uh, House members wanted, a 10-day audit. And so as they're approaching, they see all of this tear gas. They can hear flashbangs going off. They see people bleeding from being attacked with rubber bullets by D.C. Metro and Capitol Police. Now, outside of the ones who were at first the first set of agitators, there was no reason for Capitol Police and D.C. Metro to be throwing these uh, uh, explosive devices at the crowd of people who were just approaching Capitol grounds. And so this is when you see a lot of protesters, Trump supporters, Biden protesters, I guess you will call them, screaming at police. Two men, Ali, Kevin Greeson and Benjamin Phillips, died of fatal heart attacks on Capitol grounds that day 
This was before Ashley Babbitt was shot and killed by a Capitol Police officer. They died of fatal heart attacks. Witnesses who were near these two men say they had cardiac events because they were hit with these flashbangs, which emits this huge explosion of light and sound. These two men were carried off by protesters using bike racks as a stretcher. Mm. This is something most Americans have never heard. Four people died on January 6th. Not any police officers, four Trump supporters. Kevin Greeson, Benjamin Phillips, Ashley Babbitt, who was shot and killed almost at point-blank range by a Capitol Police officer, Michael Byrd, and Roseanne Boylan, who died around 4.30 that afternoon, also as a result of excessive force by D.C. Metro and Capitol Police. So I invite people to look at my reporting. I've embedded many videos that I have received from people um, who show what police were doing this day. This is a major cover-up by both DOJ and by the uh, J6 committee. They do not want Americans to see what law enforcement did that day, which is why they're concealing the videos and they're concealing all records and communications from Capitol Police, Nancy Pelosi, DC uh, Mayor Muriel Bowser's office, and certainly the FBI. All right, let me tell you about our second sponsor for the day, and that is Cozy Earth. I absolutely love this sponsor because I love their products. They've got amazing bedding. It's so soft, luxurious, and temperature regulating. That's better for you on these hot summer nights. It is truly amazing bedding. Thousands of customers agree. Cozy Earth sheets are made from the finest luxury materials, including soft viscous from highly sustainable and ethically produced bamboo. They also have amazing loungewear that I absolutely love that I wear all the time, even in the summer. It's truly so soft and breathable. They are temperature regulating, so you sleep cool and comfy year round. For a limited time, save 35% on Cozy Earth bedding. Check out their awesome loungewear to go to cozyearth.com slash alley save 35% now all backed by a hundred night trial that's cozyearth.com slash alley for 35% off cozyearth.com slash alley and it's really amazing how little a lot of people know about this i mean there are people who may not even identify as liberal so they're not necessarily watching msnbc or cnn but who believe that the police officers were murdered i mean we've heard the biden administration right. say that that police officers Joe biden were, has said it right and as you said the only person who was killed that day was ashley babbitt as far as we know she was unarmed that police officer who shot and killed her was actually given a glowing interview i believe it was on nbc or ABC. I mean, when is the last time a police officer shot and killed an unarmed person and got anything but condemnation uh, from these mainstream media outlets? This also Mm -hmm. reminds me that in May of 2020, mobs of left-wing writers, this was brought up recently by Andy No, tried to storm the White House. They were pushed back Mm -hmm. by the police. These left-wing rioters tried to Mm -hmm. assault the police officers, hit them with projectiles. And of course, the Democrats and the leftists at the time condemned law enforcement for pushing them back. And again, I think this is this is something I didn't even remember. And I'm someone who pays attention to the news. So there's almost no hope for the average person to get a fair assessment of violence Mm -hmm. in this country, political violence in this country, and in particular of January 6th. Tell us a little bit more um, about, well, I want to hear about the hearing, but 
before we get to that, tell us a little bit more about what you've seen in the reporting of this and calling this an insurrection, how the media has handled this. Um, I'm sure that's been super frustrating to you as a reporter who has seen the other side of the situation. I mean, it's very frustrating um, because, of course, all of the corporate media reporting has been one-sided. They have completely ignored what I just described as law enforcement, excessive force, lethal force. This is the same media alley who went after Derek Chauvin, justifiably or, or not, and what happened with George Floyd. For months, alley continued to conceal the name of Michael Byrd, the Capitol Police officer who shot and killed Ashley Babbitt. The reporters knew his name. Republican congressmen knew his name. Democrats certainly knew his name. Capitol Police knew his name. For months, they refused to release his name. Why? Because he was going to get death threats. Well, what do you think happens to every other police officer accused, fair or not, of engaging in lethal force? Another example of egregious double standards. To your point, Michael Byrd's name was concealed by the same media, who at the same time, Allie, was vilifying, demonizing Ashley Babbitt. Um, accusing her of being a QAnon supporter, basically saying she deserved what she got that day while covering up Michael Byrd's name, who, by the way, has been exonerated by alleged internal investigations at DOJ and Capitol Police, to this day still has his job. That doesn't happen in any other city, in any other place in this country, except for Washington, D.C., because Michael Byrd shot a Trump supporter, so who the media considers a deplorable. So her rights don't matter. Um, so just another example, I do want to touch on for a second, Allie, what you just referred to, the Lafayette Square riots in uh, May spilling over to June uh, 1st and 2nd of 2020. This is the most comparable uh, example to January 6th. You're talking about people who are on federal property, Lafayette Square's public park, um, who were engaged in violence with federal officers, uh, U.S. Park Police and Secret Service agents that prompted the lockdown of the White House for days. These people were setting fires across the street, trying to climb over fences and attack the White House. Not only has DOJ actively dropped charges against those people, um, Congress held two hearings in the summer of 2020 to investigate law enforcement for attacking these protesters. They held congressional hearings, not on what the rioters did, not what happened inside the White House, not how Donald Trump and his family's lives were endangered, not how they were burning property and attacking officers with all sorts of weapons. Congress held a hearing about law enforcement. Um, and so this is, again, the reverse of what uh, is happening with January 6th, but that's the most comparable example. Yeah. And then, to, of course, uh, just, to to, just to underscore what you're saying, I mean, there are almost too many examples of this double standard, these two justice systems to name. But of course, as we have already mentioned, the BLM riots, the Antifa destruction that happened across the country, very often law enforcement doing anything at all, even the most like genteel response to that violence, which not just it didn't just threaten property. It threatened people's lives. I mean, people died and and were murdered because of this. I mean, some of this is federal property and 
law enforcement got criticized for responding at all to those things. And then, of course, there are the attacks that are happening right now at pro-life centers across the country. Of course, there's the assassination Mm -hmm. attempt um, against Justice Kavanaugh. And then left-wing activists did not waste any time that same day protesting in front of the houses of Justice Kavanaugh and Justice Barrett, where their small children are. I haven't heard the DOJ saying that they are going to investigate. I've barely heard a peep or seen a furrowed brow from anyone in the media about this stuff, uh, stuff mm-hmm. which is a subversion of a democratic process, by the way. And so just to underscore what you're saying about the double standard, it is always when it comes to progressive forms of so-called justice, which isn't justice, it is always investigating um, the reaction to corruption rather than the corruption itself. Same thing with school boards. So the DOJ, the Biden administration is not concerned with pornography that is being showed to elementary schoolers, but is actually concerned with the parents who are concerned about that. So they're calling the parents concerned about that terrorist. They're not at all concerned that the pornography is being showed. So sorry, I just went on a rant there, but um, just just to emphasize what you're saying and to remind people, this is not just an isolated incident. This kind of double standard for justice is unfortunately pervasive, but please continue. Think about this, Allie, and this was testimony by one of the FBI lead officials for the FBI when she was asked how many people from the 2020 riots, riots that took place for months in some cities, destructive $2 billion in property damage. She was directly asked how many people had been charged, federally charged, related to the 2020 riots. Her answer, 250. We now have over 830 Americans who have been criminally charged. Still new arrests. I just got a text today. Two more people arrested today. Almost 18 months later, this FBI, this DOJ are rounding up Americans on mostly misdemeanor charges, by the way, like parading in the Capitol. You have 830 and counting Americans charged for a four-hour disturbance at the Capitol almost 18 months ago and 250 charged federally for months of destructive, deadly riots in 2020. That, alley is what people get the most upset about. And this committee can continue its performance art, but Americans still see cities, areas, neighborhoods, and cities that are still burned out, businesses that have never recovered from what happened over two years ago. That's what Americans want accountability for. They certainly want people who acted violently on January 6th to be prosecuted, but also to be treated fairly. You have people accused of assaulting a police officer, pepper spraying, or even pepper spraying in the direction of a police officer who've been in jail now for 16 months awaiting trial. They're not even convicted of anything. no due process. Zero. Right. Right. Meanwhile, all the rioters, their DOJ is dropping charges. They're asking for leniency. We just saw this in the case of two lawyers in New York City who put together that Molotov cocktail that they threw at a a police vehicle, 18 to 24 months. That's half the sentence that this government handed down against Jacob Chansley, the guy with the horns and the fur and the the face paint, um, who walked in the building, talked to police officers, who followed him into the Senate gallery. He led a prayer. He left a note for Mike Pence. 
no weapon, didn't attack anyone, no property. He will be in jail for 41 months after serving 317 days in solitary confinement. This DOJ finally tortured him into a plea deal. Yep. How many people are in solitary confinement because of this? Do you know? So it varies, Allie. What happened early on is there were solitary confinement conditions. This was men, especially in this D.C. jail. We have a political prison in Washington, D.C., just astonishing. This is part of the D.C. jail that is set aside specifically for people who protested Joe Biden's election, who are being prosecuted by Joe Biden's Justice Department. Um, So there are right now about 40 men who are still in this D.C. jail. Many of them have spent lengthy amounts of time in solitary uh, confinement conditions, only allowed out of their cell for an hour at a time. They can't shower. Um, They had no access to any personal hygiene care, shaving, et cetera. They can't speak to their lawyers. They wow. can't get access to their uh, discovery materials against them. How is this legal? Total, is it legal? It's not. It's not legal at all. But it doesn't And you matter. have judges. You have judges as far back as a summer, at last summer, Allie, where I heard one judge, Judge Trevor McFadden, a Trump appointee who is keeping uh, several men held behind bars. Last June, he said he was worried about due process and Sixth Amendment violations. Here we are a year later, not a single judge has released any of these men based on any uh, 6A, 4A, 8A um, violations by this Justice Department. They keep going along, letting these men languish in jail while the same DOJ and judges delay their trials, withhold discovery evidence, and do not allow them uh, regular access to their defense attorneys. It really is such a travesty. It's hard to keep track of. I mean, it's hard to like yeah. assemble all of it to make it, so um, you know, comprehensible for people. Yeah. But uh, I mean, this is a, this is a political prosecution with political prison, prison and, uh, you know, like I said, new arrests every single week. Third sponsor for the day is Hunter Douglas. Hunter Douglas offers amazing, innovative window shade designs with gorgeous fabrics, control systems that are super advanced so they can be scheduled automatically to adjust to their optimal position throughout the day. And that just makes your life better and easier. They use PowerView technology so your shades can be uh, set to automatically reposition for the perfect balance of light, privacy, and insulation. That's super important on these hot summer days that can lower your utility bills. It can keep you cooler in the summer, warmer in the winter. So live beautifully with Hunter Douglas, enjoying greater convenience, enhanced style, and increased comfort in your home throughout the day. Visit hunterdouglas.com slash alley today for your free style get smarter design guide with fresh takes, creative ideas, and smart solutions for dressing your windows. That's hunterdouglas.com slash alley for your free design guide, hunterdouglas.com slash alley. Let me read this thread that I know that you've seen from Steve Dace. It's from June 7th, and it it really is just heartbreaking. I I might not read the entirety of the thread because it's a little bit long, but this was just one of, I mean, a few stories that I have read in the past year and a half that is just 
broken my heart. And when I say that it's broken my heart, and just as you've said, that doesn't mean that you're not condemning actual violence that happened or the actual people who did something wrong. But for anyone, whether you commit violence or not, you believe in due process, you believe in real justice, and especially for the people who have had their due process rights taken away, who didn't commit violence at all. I mean, no matter what happened on that day, everyone should get due process, but especially the people who are getting rounded up and charged with misdemeanors. It's just too much. So let me mm-hmm. read part of this thread. So uh, Steve Dace, he was sent um, a, a message, an email from a January 6th. So someone who was involved in January 6th or was just there. He said, I listen to your podcast and I follow Julie Kelly. It's every bit as bad as she describes. I am a husband and father who has zero criminal history and I am looking at years in prison After I took a plea, you may ask why would people take a plea if they are innocent? Innocent has nothing to do with this. As my lawyer has told me over and over again, this is payback. There are only a handful of representatives in D.C. that care about us. The vast majority could not care less. They secretly despise Trump and anyone on Mm -hmm. the 6th as well. The DOJ knows this. He says, I watched for four years as our government that I pay taxes for, tried to impeach and even oust our president with sheer impunity. That's true. Hillary's smearing stunt morphed into a coup that lasted Trump's entire term. That's Uh true. Then I watched the election get stolen from the American people. That's what he believes. So Uh I went to D.C. to support the way I thought best, which, by the way, like it's not illegal to believe that election an election was stolen. Obviously, Democrats insisted that the 2016 election was stolen. That's part of what he is talking about for several years. Uh And the media repeated that. So he says, so I went to D.C. to support the way I thought best. I wasn't violent. I didn't break anything. I didn't steal anything. And that doesn't matter. I lost my six-figure income, friends, and my family is a wreck. I had the FBI in my home. I was brought before a judge in shackles. I'm the lucky one, he says. I got to remain free until sentencing. So this is the country that I now now live in, where the powerful few can attack an elected president attempting to remove him for four years and where elections no longer matter. That's what he thinks. That's what a lot of Americans think. We are no Mm -hmm. longer free, he says, and this country was taken without firing a single shot. And this part just broke my heart in addition to the brokenness of his family that he talks about. He says, I am now barely making a living, doing manual labor for just over minimum wage until my sentencing is over. I was threatened with 20 years in prison, something only murderers face. We couldn't change the venue and none of the motions to dismiss were accepted. And so he is, so at the pleading of my wife, he says, advice from my lawyer, I destroyed a part of me and signed a paper full of exaggerations and lies, and more importantly, a narrative that fits what they want in order to take this plea deal. And wow, this was poignant and really sad. I am a Christian and somehow I feel damned. I lied to save my family. My pastor tells me about rehab, but it doesn't help. I don't look at myself in the mirror anymore. A part of me is dead now. I now wake up longing for the Lord to take me. I mean, Mm -hmm. what's your reaction to this? And is this descriptive of a lot of people who have Mm -hmm. been charged and whose lives have been ruined because of their involvement? Yeah, I mean, it's still so raw to hear that I've heard these stories from people for over a year. Um, It breaks my heart. It makes me sick to my stomach. And it makes me enraged every time that I hear it. What this man probably was charged with was obstruction of an official proceeding, a nonviolent felony that this DOJ is tormenting people with, uh, threatening them with 20 years in prison. It's never been used this way before, Allie. It is an, it, it, 
it's actually a post-Enron law that has to do with tampering with evidence. But this vengeful, abusive, despicable DOJ is ruining people's lives, charging them with this felony, forcing them into plea deals, exactly what this man said. Do you know why? They can't get a fair trial in Washington, D.C. We've had five jury trials so far. The juries have come back every single time, unanimous guilty verdicts on every single count in record time. One jury joked, one juror joked, it took longer for us to order lunch than it did to find this particular man guilty of five crimes, including obstruction of an official proceeding, which, as I said, has never been applied to political protesters. It's a completely novel crime that this DOJ is using against Americans. And this is the result. This poor man, these people's lives have been destroyed. The media relentlessly targets them, including their local media. People have gotten divorced. Their businesses have gone bankrupt. Their own children have turned on them. Um, Matthew Perna, I've written about him. You probably read my coverage. 32-year-old man, did nothing wrong, walked into an open door, went to protest what he believed was a stolen election, just like a lot of people did that day. This DOJ went after him with a vengeance. He had a terrible lawyer who finally did the same thing, said plead guilty, obstruction of an official proceeding, and a couple of trespassing charges. Matthew Perna pleaded guilty, believing, okay, I'll spend maybe a few weeks, maybe a few months in jail. This DOJ came back after he pleaded guilty and they wanted to add what they're doing in these cases, a terrorism enhancement that would have put Matthew Perna in jail for three to four years for walking inside a public building that had already been vacated by lawmakers. He didn't have a weapon. He didn't touch anything inside. Very respectful man, no criminal history. And after he found out this DOJ was going to go after him like that, he hanged himself in his garage on February 26th of 2022. And this DOJ refuses to say anything about Matthew Perna's suicide. He's actually the second man to commit suicide after being charged and harassed by this DOJ. So when this man says he wants to die, I've heard this from people. Mm-hmm. I would rather be dead than what this government is doing to me. These people did nothing wrong. And this is what Joe Biden, Merrick Garland, Matthew Graves, the DC US attorney, Lisa Monaco, an Obama loyalist who is deputy attorney general, number two running the show on this prosecution. And this news media and this committee are doing to innocent Americans. It is an outrage. And you know what, Allie? People want to be upset because they saw a few broken windows. They saw couple cops who probably were engaged in violence themselves being shoved or whatever. People want to still fixate on that. That's fine. I can't, I can't stop that. But you cannot close your ears and eyes to the trauma, the destruction of what this powerful government is doing to people uh, like the man in this thread that, that Steve posted a few weeks ago. And it is happening over and over. And, um, you know, where are lawmakers speaking out against this? These are human civil and constitutional rights violations happening right here in America. And they still want to talk about what? A couple of Capitol Police officers who go testify and cry because what, for what reason? I mean, come on, this is the real victims here are the man in that thread and people like Matthew Perna who saw no way out except to commit suicide.
And I just want to encourage people to be critical thinkers about this. Look, you can see some of the footage that happened that day. I mean, there were there were capital protesters who were trying to break through the doors. Police officers were pushing them back. I mean, it's it's disturbing and disheartening footage. Absolutely. But even if you believe the worst of the worst of January 6th, that this was uh, a violent insurrection that they were trying to overthrow the government with the help of Donald Trump. I don't think that's a correct description. But even if you think that, that does not mean that the people who were involved, even the people who were violent, should not get due process and should not get a fair trial. They are still human beings. They're still American citizens. They still have rights. And somehow people understand that when it comes to so-called criminal justice on the left. Um, they right. understand that people you know, deserve rights when it comes to the criminal process, but not here. It's because, as you said, this is a political prosecution. This is a political mm -hmm. game. It's a dangerous game. It's a scary game. This is something that happens in totalitarian countries that has That's happened right. in totalitarian communist countries throughout history. Um, and I just read this story just and I mean, you see these stories every single day. This is extremely common. Um, but there was this terrible story of this man who um, he beat to death his two year old son. Awful story reported by The New York Post told his two year old son to put his hands up to fight. He punches his two year old son, beats him to death. What does he get sentenced with? He has to he has to uh, serve out only 85 percent of a 16 year sentence. And that is common. That happens every single day in the name of equity, in the name of social justice, in the name of racial justice, whatever it is, based on the color of your skin, based on the prosecutor that is in your district, these Democrat, uh, these Democrat cities. So we've got murderers on the street right now because of bail reform, criminal criminal justice reform, and the social justice movement. And yet this nonviolent dad is saying that he is looking at 20 years in prison. And what he says at right. the end of this thread that Steve Dace posted is so sad. He said, I don't know what's going to happen to my family while I'm gone for years. My wife has depended on me our whole marriage. She is the only woman I've ever been with, the only woman I've ever loved. I hope she and my kids can make it without me. I am a J6er and I am going to prison. I mean, how does that not break your heart no matter what side of the aisle you're on? Let me tell you something, Allie, and I, I think I told Steve this. The saddest part, one of the saddest parts about that thread is that actually gratifies so many people yes. on the left. Yes. It gratifies the prosecutors, by the way, who they I like read, it. Yes. hear what they say. This makes them smile. They love that Americans who supported Donald Trump protested Joe Biden, that they are suffering this way. So too are the judges. I've listened to them. I've heard people like Jacob Chansley and Robert Reeder and, um, and Paul Hodgkins I've heard them in tears begging a judge for mercy to not throw them in jail from anywhere from a parading, a low-level petty offense, parading in the Capitol, to Jacob Chansley. I've heard them cry in court. I've heard men give their plea agreements, acknowledging, crying in court, begging for mercy. And these judges don't care. They consider them insurrectionists. They consider them traitors. They consider them terrorists. And so, unfortunately, you have most, almost everyone who lives in Washington, D.C., and news media reporters across the country who will read that thread 
and it will bring a smile to their face. That's the really sick part about what's happening related to, to January 6th. Well, you can see that in the comments. Unfortunately, some of the replies to Steve Dace's thread are saying, serves him right. He deserves it. That's great. I mean, the same people that are constantly yep. criticizing our justice system, constantly criticizing mm-hmm. um, our country for being unfair, for being inequitable, for um, you know having two justice systems that they say exist between white people and black people. Yes, there are two justice systems that exist. It has nothing to do with race and a lot to do with your political affiliation. That's the scary part. That's why people should care. No matter what side of the aisle that you're on, can you not just take a moment to put yourself in someone else's shoes and think about what it would be like if the state were weaponized against you because of your political beliefs? Too many people on the left can't imagine that, though. And I understand why they can't imagine that. I mean, could you if you saw double standard after double standard? Like if you saw the DOJ only weaponized against the right? Of course. I mean, you're going to cheer that on and you're going to think that you are immune to any kind of justice or even criticism. Well, they should read a history book, which is what I say all the time. When you have totalitarian, tyrannical governments like we have right now in Washington, D.C., turn against one one part of the populace, eventually it turns against everyone. So all of the little cowards, faceless, nameless cowards who love to um, tweet nasty things about what happens to you should you should see some of the responses that I got when I posted my article about Matthew Pernan interviewed his aunt. Um, These are really sick people, devoid of any humanity, any soul, and plenty of them work for the US Justice Department, unfortunately. I asked repeatedly to get a comment from the Justice Department about Matthew Pernan's suicide. They refused to comment. The judge refuses to respond to his family about what happened to him. They think it's good. They think that he deserved that, I'm sure. They say the same about Ashley Babbitt. They don't care that she was shot near point blank range, an unarmed veteran. Look what this media smeared her with. They do it to this day. You know what, Allie, this J6 committee is why it's such a joke. They want to mislead the American people into believing that police officers died as a result of January 6th, which is a flagrant lie. Have you heard the names Ashley Babbitt, Roseanne Boylan, Kevin Greeson, or Benjamin Phillips? Have you heard Joe Biden? say anything about the uh, near the execution of Ashley Babbitt. Even if you think, okay, she was in the wrong place at the wrong time, you have not heard anyone say their names. It's like they, they didn't exist because in their minds, those people got what they deserved. Um, they were the same killed people by who are against the death penalty for murderers, by the way. The right. same people that will say, oh, yeah, I'm with the Innocence Project. I'm against the death penalty for murderers. They will say that Ashley Babbitt got That's what right. she deserved that day. Isn't that interesting? Yes. Yeah, it's yes. it's yeah, it's really sad. One thing that she tweeted that I just am wondering if you can explain a little bit further, although you've already mentioned it a couple times. You tweeted uh, a couple days ago that Merrick Garland admitted, which he did on tape um, in front of the camera, that his prosecutors are watching the January 6th committee hearings that are happening in Congress. You said never before has such a flagrant partnership between a partisan congressional committee and the DOJ been so widely accepted as acceptable. Why is that so dangerous and unacceptable? Well, because you have a criminal process, right, where you have to collect evidence, where you have to take witness statements, subpoenas, etc., for a criminal case. What DOJ is working hand in hand with this illegitimate House committee, 
that is collecting evidence. People are turning it over. Um, you see executive privilege has been gone. They're collecting the president's records, uh, leaking it to the media. So, and now they have a thousand witness statements. Well, DOJ wants that information that has been collected by an illegitimate committee because what it said, the, the committee's purpose is to put together a legislative agenda. That is why this committee was formed. It was to find out what happened on January 6th and then to produce a set of legislative recommendations as to how to fix it, make sure it doesn't happen again. This is not a criminal prosecution. It is not set to be collecting evidence for DOJ who, of course, they're not going to, you know, subpoena Donald Trump or Ivanka Trump or anyone. So they're working hand in hand. The purpose of this committee is to come up with legislative fixes, not to do DOJ's dirty work and then turn over all that evidence to them, um, because that wasn't the reason why people like Ivanka Trump testified before the committee, or this is not why people like Mark Meadows turned over their records. If DOJ wanted Mark Meadows records, they couldn't just send a letter, hey, give us your information, give us your tech. They would have to go through a very extensive subpoena, grand jury, et cetera, process. That's not what's happening here. So for Merrick Garland to say his prosecutors are watching this, for his DOJ to suggest that they want these witness um, transcripts, that they want all the documents and records that they've collected, well, you have to go through that through a criminal prosecution process, not through this. That's why it just blew my mind when I heard that. Because, Ali, at the same time, you have defense attorneys going to judges saying that this January 6th committee theater, that all of these hearings are further tainting an already hyper-partisan jury pool in Washington, D.C. And you had one lawyer say a trial that's supposed to start in September is the same time that this January 6th report, it's already available on Amazon, it's like 880 pages, that this report is going to drop. And so they're saying, how are we going to pick juries in this highly partisan city that's flooded nonstop with news about January 6th? How are you going to find objective jurors? You're not. You know what this judge said? I don't care if Congress shows up with the report on the steps of the uh, D.C. District Courthouse. I'm not moving this trial. This is what these people, it is so coordinated. Um, And so that's why it was sort of stunning and revelatory to hear Merrick Garland say that because it confirms what people like I, me and other defense attorneys have suspected. It's this very close collaboration between DOJ and Congress. There should be a wall, there's separation of powers, different processes, and all of that, just like everything else, has been completely obliterated. Okay, last sponsor, and it's one of my absolute favorites because if you are hearing this conversation and you're like, what the heck can we do to contribute positively to our country? You can teach your kids good things about the values of hard work and liberty and honesty and integrity and actual justice and Heroes of Liberty is doing just that. It's a new, stunning, and beautifully illustrated series of children's books packed with American values one story at a time. So they published biographies of Heroes of Liberty such as Thomas Sowell, Ronald Reagan, Margaret Thatcher, with more heroes being added every month. Absolutely love these books. I think that they're probably perfect for ages, I don't know, 7 to 12 because they're a little bit longer, but even your little ones will enjoy looking at the pictures because they're so beautifully illustrated. They've got a subscription program, so one book, one year every month. 
You just pay $19.95 a month and you can cancel at any time with discount code Allie, A-L-L-I-E. You receive a free book with a $19.95 subscription program. So claim your free book at heroesofliberty.com. Again, that's heroesofliberty.com discount code Allie for that subscription program, heroesofliberty.com. What do you think is going to come of all of this? Do you think that Trump is going to be indicted? That's something that they said at the hearing. I really do. I'm 99% oh, really? sure. Yes. Um, now, it won't necessarily come from the committee. The committee can make a criminal referral like they have in the cases of Steve Bannon um, and Peter Navarro for contempt of Congress. And DOJ went along and then charged those two men with contempt of, of Congress. Um, but the January 6th committee doesn't have to make a criminal referral. DOJ, the DC U.S. Attorney Matthew Graves, who was handling all of these prosecutions, by the way, a Biden campaign advisor, his wife also is a far left wing radical um, uh, activist in Washington, D.C., heads up a far left radical uh, women's legal non-for-profit. Um, anyway, he would be the one who I think eventually will file charges against Donald Trump for conspiracy or obstruction of official proceeding, this charge that we just talked about, or both. Um, and so I think that that is why you saw the January 6th committee focus on the Proud Boys um, now that you've been charged with seditious conspiracy, a charge so rare, no American's ever been convicted of it, as well as the Oath Keepers who were giving security that day to people like Roger Stone. So I think that that is what, where the criminal um, investigation, I say investigation, per prosecution is headed. Um, and I have very little doubt DOJ will file charges against Donald Trump. This is what the left wants. They have such bloodlust. They wanted to see Donald Trump in handcuffs now for, you know, whatever, six, five or six years. And it hasn't happened. Um, so I think DOJ, there's no reason for them not to, Allie. This Justice Department has gotten away with everything it has tried in court and everywhere else. Um, and no one has reined them in, especially these judges who are responsible for protecting the rights of defendants and making sure that due process, presumption of innocence, evidence, et cetera, Brady material, uh, is all produced. Um, they haven't held these prosecutors accountable for for one thing. So there's no reason why DOJ wouldn't. So I feel very strongly that that probably is going to be the October surprise before the midterms uh, yeah, is some sort of criminal thinking. charge against Donald Trump. Yep. You know, I think I woke up, even though I have been a conservative for my whole life and have never voted Democrat, but I really woke up to the bloodthirstiness that I think describes the Democrat Party during mm -hmm. the Kavanaugh confirmation. That was the moment to me that I think things really turned on. Not again, that I didn't know that they were unfair or, or biased or whatever. But that to me made me recognize, oh, they're out for blood. They don't actually care about the truth at all. They are willing to ruin a father's life based on totally yeah. uncorroborated and unsubstantiated allegations of rape of a person. They're willing to go with any story. They don't care if it's verified whatsoever. And yet, of course, they're willing to ignore similar allegations against even worse allegations, I would say, against Joe Biden when it comes to Tara Reid. That was a very awakening moment uh, for mm -hmm. me. And I think that this has the potential to be another awakening moment for people who are yet asleep, who still 
believe that the institutions in this country have integrity, that we do have an impartial justice system, and that there's nothing to worry about. Um, As you said, totalitarian governments uh, eventually turn on the populace as a whole. So this is something that everyone across the aisle should absolutely be concerned about. Now, do you have any hope, and I think I know the answer, do you have any hope whatsoever for any kind of recompense from Republicans um, if they take the majority in Congress this fall? This is another question I get a lot, and I know uh, I know you know what my answer is going to be, and that is no, I really don't. Um, but that's why, Allie, people need to, and this is why I'm so appreciative for you having me on, people need to know the facts about what happened that day. They need to demand answers for what we don't know, the video, the records, the FBI's involvement months before. Um, we need to know a lot more than what this January 6th committee is um, offering to the American people. Um, but we need to push Republicans, especially Kevin McCarthy and leadership, that when they win the House, we expect retaliation. We expect this committee to um, reveal all of the things that, uh, that will take control of this committee and expect them to reveal to the American people all the lies that they've been told, all the cover-ups that the the DOJ and this committee have engaged in. Um, And so they need to turn the tables and they need to file ethics violations against people like Representative Sherrill, the woman, uh, Congress, a Democratic Congresswoman who accused her Republican colleagues of conducting reconnaissance tours the day before to scope out the Capitol and help the uh, insurrectionists the next day. Something that we know now is a total lie. In fact, Capitol Police, in a rare moment of candor this week, issued a letter saying that there was no evidence based on the videos that they've seen, um, that especially Representative Loudermilk, who was accused of conducting one of these recon tours, there's no evidence to support it. So they need to go after these committee members again, people like Adam Schiff, once again, misleading the American people into believing a lie. Um, And they need to question people like Nancy Pelosi and her staff, like Mitch McConnell and his staff, DC Mayor Muriel Bowser, the FBI, Capitol Police. Why did you leave the Capitol unprotected? Where are all your records and communications? Why did you reject um, pleas for National Guard's troop. Why did you reject Donald Trump's offer of thousands of National Guardsmen? So there are all of these questions. I talk about it in my book. I've talked about it in my recent reporting um, that we need to find out. By the way, Allie, where's the pipe bomber? Remember that big story that somebody allegedly, a Trump supporter reportedly, um, set pipe bombs near the Capitol outside mm-hmm. the uh, headquarters of the RNC and DNC the night before? Here we are almost 18 months later, and the pipe bomb story has completely disappeared. They haven't identified the person. The suspect certainly has not been charged. That led to a lot of panic that day. That led to the first evacuation of house buildings because those buildings are close to Capitol Hill, um, on Capitol Hill. So where's the pipe bomber? Where's the investigation? The FBI said that it was going to conduct into the pipe bomber. Was that just another hoax? Um, And so this is what this committee, this is what House Republicans have to do, have to do when they take control. Will they? 
it's highly unlikely unless the base just keeps pushing and forcing their representatives to confront what I think is an even bigger fraud against the American people than the Russiagate hoax. I mean, it's such it's almost it seems like an insurmountable task Mm -hmm. and obstacle because you're not just talking about January 6th. I mean, you were talking about the entire system like it's an entire system that is that has grown over years and years of neglect and even nefarious intent, I would say, by both Republicans and Democrats that have so Mm -hmm. much power and have set themselves against the people of the United States because of their political opinions because of their dissent. And again, that's not saying that we are against prosecuting people who broke the law, or that's not saying that we are against justice for people who actually committed violence in any instance, no matter where the, uh, a riot took place. It is simply saying that we believe in impartial justice. We believe in true justice. We believe in due process. We believe in proportionality when it comes to sentencing and when it comes to this particular instance. And this particular day, the people of the United States are not receiving those things that are supposed to be our rights as Americans, no matter your political beliefs. And as you described earlier, that is a travesty. That's a travesty. And um, I'm very thankful to you. Gosh, there's more that I want to talk about. We do have to close out. One more thing, and it might be kind of a weird place to end, but because I see it in my document and you mentioned it earlier, I think this is an interesting point. You did. You talked about the possibility of FBI agents infiltrating the people who were in mm-hmm. January 6th. And you also mentioned on Tucker Carlson's show that Ryan Kelly, who mm-hmm. has um, who has been charged with misdemeanor for his role in January 6th, he's a Michigan gubernatorial candidate. You believe that he was targeted by the same group of FBI agents, undercover agents and informants who we know now did concoct the Whitmer kidnapping hoax that it wasn't a bunch of like, you know, right wing activists, as the media originally told us that was orchestrated by the FBI. You think that Ryan Kelly and people on January 6th were targeted by those same people, right? I absolutely do. And I also invite people to read my reporting on the Whitmer kidnapping hoax. As you know, Ellie, that has completely disappeared from the headlines. Two men were acquitted after their defense attorneys um, successfully convinced a jury that they had been entrapped by the FBI. Two men received a hung jury. Um, But this was completely fabricated and executed by the FBI. Now in the criminal complaint against Ryan Kelly, it cites a confidential FBI confidential human source who is working on a domestic terror investigation in Michigan in 2020. That would be the Whitmer kidnapping hoax. So it looks like now this confidential source ID'd Ryan Kelly in a group photo of the Capitol protest. Why would they need a cap? Why would they need an FBI informant to do that? Um, Ryan Kelly never denied that he was at the Capitol protest. He's talked about it. This same informant became an informant for the FBI on the January 6th investigation. So it looks like because Ryan Kelly was protesting uh, Gretchen Whitmer's lockdown policies in Michigan in the spring of 2020, exactly what um, some of these men accused in this hoax were doing. He also was in in communication with one of the men who faces still faces state charges for what we now know is an FBI host. Go figure. Um, But at any rate, he was in contact with one of those men as well. So I'm doing some more research into this, but it certainly looks like Ryan Kelly was on the FBI's radar for at least the past two years. And why, again, 
when they knew back in January of 2021, they have it in the criminal complaint that Ryan Kelly was there. He was ID'd by this informant the end of January 2021. Why did they wait till the day of the January 6th committee hearing to arrest him and charge him with misdemeanor trespassing charges? Again, more collaboration between the DOJ, the media, and this committee. Wow. But I will be doing more reporting on Ryan Kelly. Well, good. I, then maybe that's a good place to leave it because I hope that leads people to follow you and to read the reporting that you've already done and continue to follow the reporting that you're going to do. Thank you so much for taking the time Thanks, to come yeah. on and talk to us today. I appreciate you. I know sometimes maybe it feels like you are, you know, a voice crying out in the wilderness, <laughs> like you're the only person that has kind of been leading the charge on this. But we have seen that one voice then joined by other voices can actually make a difference, at least in raising awareness about this. So thank you so much. Hopefully we'll be able to have you back on. This, of course, will be developing as you've already mentioned. Thanks. Sure. Thanks, Sally. Thanks so much. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to that conversation. I hope it gave you food for thought. Tomorrow, I will be talking to my dad in honor of Father's Day, which is this weekend. I know you guys are going to love that conversation. Just a reminder, once again, we are going to be taking another summer break next week. There will be one new episode that will come out. I know I originally said two, one new episode. Maybe we'll play some replays. We'll let you guys know about that. I'll probably still be on Instagram some, especially if anything exciting happens. Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. Leave us a five star review if you love it check out our merch lots of good stuff there i will see you guys back here tomorrow